This is the IEEE USA Insight Podcast, episode number 20, a monthly program featuring news, information, and updates from IEEE USA headquarters in Washington, D.C. And now your host, Chris McMains. John, thank you for that very nice introduction. Hello, listeners. You know, it seems like the best path to the IEEE presidency runs through Colorado and Washington, D.C. First, Gordon Day of Boulder, Colorado, served as IEEE USA president in 2009. Three years later, he was IEEE president. Now, Jim Jeffries of Denver has done the same thing. Jim was IEEE USA president in 2015. Last year, IEEE members around the world voted for him to be IEEE president in 2018. So I guess the moral of the story is, if you want to be IEEE president, move to Colorado and ascend to the top of IEEE USA. This year, Tom Coughlin and Guru Madhavan are in the running for 2018 IEEE USA president-elect. Neither are from Colorado, so I guess it's a wide-open race. What do you get when you cross circus arts with technology? Cirque du Soleil, of course. If you're interested in how these fantastic productions are put together, you can do so during the Global Marathon for, by, and about women in engineering and technology. The marathon is a free online forum connecting and engaging high-tech women worldwide. This year's event is set for March 8th and 9th. Last year's program attracted 2,400 people from 80 countries. It allows women to meet online and share their stories of personal, educational, and professional struggles and successes. The Global Marathon is a program of discovery, the same folks who bring us Engineers Week each February. For more information, go to www dot discovery.org and discovery has an e on the end click on our programs and global marathon and gentlemen you too can participate the discovery future city competition has an additional 25,000 reasons to celebrate its 25th anniversary this school year the engineering design competition for middle schoolers recently won the Henry C. Turner Prize, which includes a $25,000 honorarium. The prize was established by the Turner Construction Company to recognize an advance or high achievement and exemplary leadership in the construction industry. Future City was selected for its dedication to inspiring and developing a passionate, informed, and STEM-literate 21st century workforce. Program organizers plan to use part of the proceeds to help fund regional competitions that have difficulty raising sponsorship dollars. This is Future City's second major award. In 2015, it was named the grand prize winner of a $100,000 grant in the Underwriters Laboratory's Innovative Education Award program. Perhaps you're wondering why IEEE USA is so interested in the Future City competition. Because we spearheaded its creation when we served as lead society for Engineers Week in 1993. 
The 25th Future City Finals were held in Washington, D.C. in February. IEEE USA sponsors the third place award. Beginning in 2001, we judged and sponsored the Best Communications System Special Award. This year, we recognized the team whose city had the most advanced smart grid. Now it's time for IEEE USA eBook Corner, highlighting new eBooks for IEEE members. A new IEEE USA Women in Engineering eBook tells the story of an engineer in the making. The trajectory of Susan De La Fuente's life and career has taken her more than 6,000 miles from the sun-washed beaches of her native Guam to Silicon Valley, where she has held positions with several of the largest and most respected technology companies. How she accomplished her journey is the subject of the newest volume in the award-winning IEEE Women in Engineering We eBook series. De La Fuente's An Engineer in the Making is the 13th work in this series. De La Fuente recalls how her father encouraged her to help him with home and auto repair projects. When he moved the family from Guam to the San Francisco area, she continued to help him while also using her budding creativity to design and build toys with her seven siblings. She tellingly adds, I didn't know it then, but I was an engineer in the making. With candor, De La Fuente describes several cultural shocks she experienced in her first engineering job after graduation. While working as a Defense Department contractor for Lockheed Missile and Space Company, she writes about the personal difficulty of working in a highly secure, closed environment. It took a few months to get used to it, if I ever did, she says. The author also recounts how she became involved with IEEE Women in Engineering, WE, and her role in helping to reinvigorate the WE Santa Clara Santa Clara Valley chapter. She sums up her involvement and the personal and professional satisfaction she received with a quote from Helen Keller, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. An Engineer in the Making by Susan De La Fuente and the 12 preceding volumes in the IEEE USA Women in Engineering ebook series are all available at shop.ieeeusa.org. The member price is $7.99. Non-members can purchased the books for $9.99 each. 2017 marks the fourth year of this landmark series, which has been heralded by educators and women's organizations. In 2016 alone, the series was honored with more than a dozen publishing industry awards that recognized its overall quality and significance. Three more volumes in the IEEE USA Women in Engineering eBook series will be published in 2017. I'm Georgia Stelluto for IEEE USA. In the IEEE USA Inside Spotlight, we bring you close up to a newsmaker or public figure with a quick one-on-one interview. This month, Chris talks to Walter Isaacson, president and CEO of the Aspen Institute. Isaacson is also a New York Times best-selling author. He wrote a biography of Steve Jobs and was recently honored by the IEEE History Committee for his book, The Innovators, How a Group of Hackers, Geniuses, and Geeks Created the Digital Revolution. In this interview, he talks about these books and the influence of his father, an IEEE senior member. Uh, well, Mr. Isaacson, thank you very much for meeting with us here today. Thank you, Chris. And uh, I think one thing that I found really fascinating. I think most people probably would think that it was a man in the 20th century who got the computer technology ball rolling, but in your book, The Innovators, you go back to uh, Ada Lovelace back in the 1840s. Can you tell me something about her? Yeah, you know, Ada Lovelace was Lord Byron's daughter, and so she had a poetic sensibility, but her mother was a mathematician, 
and wasn't particularly fond of Lord Byron when Ada was growing up. If you know about Lord Byron, he's a little bit too much of a romantic poet for Lady Byron's taste. And so had Ada tutored in mathematics, hoping it would keep her from being a poet, which is a mistaken theory. But Ada loved the notion of combining what she called poetical science. And to me, that's one of the heart of what innovation is about, is that combining facility where you you know, combine the humanities with technology like Steve Jobs did. Ada was good at that, and her friend Charles Babbage was creating a numerical calculator, and she came up with a, she wrote and published a paper, which was unusual for women in the early 1800s, in a journal that described the uh, uh, analytical engine that Charles Babbage was building, but made the point that it could do not just numbers, but anything notated in symbols, like words or music or pictures. And um, so it was really the concept of a general-purpose computer, and she even wrote some algorithms to show how it would work. Uh, And I do think one problem we have in electrical engineering, computer science, technology, is that women don't feel as welcomed into the field. And my daughter, who was a big fan of Ada Lovelace and studying computer science at college, said, you know, we need some role models. Why don't you make sure Ada Lovelace uh, is in the book? And she certainly deserves to be. It wasn't just to be a role model. Mm -hmm. But that notion of taking an analytical engine and saying it can be general purpose is a pretty big, beautiful leap. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you uh, you progress through your book with uh, some other innovators. Is there anybody else that really uh, sticks out in your mind that was particularly fascinating? Well, yeah. I mean, Alan Turing is, of course, fascinating. I wanted to make sure he got famous, but right before my book came out, Benedict Cumberbatch played him in the movie The Imitation Game, so he didn't need me to become more famous. Uh, but he writes a paper, his own famous paper, almost exactly 100 years after Ada Lovelace does, Uh, And among other things, he said, machines will never think. And he calls it Ada Ada Lovelace's objection, because he, it's the title of the section of the paper, because there's really two schools of thought. uh, I'm sorry, Turing said machines will think. And, but he accused, he says that Ada Lovelace said, machine will never think like a human. Uh, And Turing said, he comes up with the Turing test saying, we'll get to a point where you can't tell the difference between human thinking and machine thinking, and thus there'd be no reason to say machines aren't thinking. So you really have two schools of thought, the Ada Lovelace school that feels that connecting machines to humans uh, is important because humans have a different, you know, bring something different to the party, consciousness, thinking, and an Alan Turing strand, which is sort of an artificial intelligence strand uh, that says machines someday will be able to think in a way that's indistinguishable from human thinking. I'm not sure that you need to answer that question now, but I wanted to set up in the book the sort of tension between the Ada Lovelace approach, which is followed by great engineers like Doug Engelbart and uh, Steve Jobs, or sort of in the Ada Lovelace camp, who believe in a good user interface between man and machines, because the tighter they're connected, the more powerful it'll be, versus what I would call the, you know, uh, Turing, McCarthy, uh, artificial intelligence approach that says, you know, machines will be able to do things on their own. They don't need a close connection to humans. Mm -hmm. 
Now, you also wrote a book about Steve Jobs, a biography, and uh, if I understand correctly, uh, he asked you to write that book? Yeah, well, you know, Steve was always brilliant and complex. Uh, at one point, he talked to me about doing the book. I had done Ben Franklin and Albert Einstein, and I thought, you know, uh, he would, he, I think he may have thought he would be next in line that sequence. And when I found out he had been sick, I realized I'd have a real opportunity to see up close somebody who had transformed multiple industries, the personal computer industry, the music industry, the publishing industry, retail stores. Uh, you know, you can go down the list uh, of uh, uh, movie animation, you know. And that would be an ability to do something most biographers don't have a chance to do is write a biography by being really up close with the subject. So you've written about a number of, of great thinkers and innovators, and you mentioned a little bit earlier when we first started kind of the, uh, the melding together of the arts and the sciences, and there's this whole movement now, been around for a few years, where we talk about STEAM, where we've added the A to the science, technology, engineering, and and mathematics, and uh, do you do you uh, really think that's important that scientists don't lose sight of the the art and the fact that, that we need they need to communicate better what they're doing? Well, yeah, I think that the great advances, and Steve Jobs is the best example of people who have made great advances in how we use our digital tools, are people who understood the humanities and the arts. I mean. Bill Gates and others are better programmers and better engineers than Steve Jobs ever was. But Steve created the iPod. He created the iPhone. Why? Because he had a feel for uh, just what humans are like and what's beautiful and what art is like. So in uh, some days people say you need to learn how to code, otherwise you'll be out of a job 20 years from now. Actually, I think machines will do the coding for us quite a bit. It's the imagination and creativity that we're going to bring as humans to the table. Mm -hmm. And let me just ask you one more question. Your uh, father, an IEEE senior member, Erwin uh, Isaacson, Jr., right. and you also had an uncle who was an IEEE member, and they uh, had a great influence on you as you were a child? Well, yeah. I mean, when I was growing up in the 60s, you know, as a kid, you'd be able to do things like take uh, tubes out of the TV set and go test them and then go, go to the store and, you know, buy a new tube when it got burned out. So you had a sense of what a circuit was all about. And I can remember when transistors came in, having a whole box of things in the basement of transistors, resistors, and capacitors, and knowing how to test and also the difference of different types of transistors and having a soldering iron and making circuits. I worry these days that you don't get to open your iPhone to see the circuit. You don't get to open your uh, laptop and see the circuit. I think it's useful for people to know what a circuit is, why on-off switches can do Boolean algebra, why algorithms work with a binary-coded um, language, and what's the difference between a transistor and a capacitor and a resistor. Um, and so I think I was very lucky to grow up comfortable with a soldering iron. It was mainly because of my father, my granduncle, my uncle, and everybody else. Uh, we, we liked electronics. 
Well, I, I, I must say I lied. That was not my last question. I, I would like to ask you about your, your role here at the Aspen Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, you started out as a journalist. You went from the reporting and uh, news gathering end into the business end, yeah. former chairman of CNN and then man, uh, editor of Time. And uh, how did you transition into the nonprofit world? And, you know, can you tell us about the Aspen Institute for people yeah. that don't know? Well, the Aspen Institute is involved in policy work that tries to bring people together from different backgrounds and different beliefs, you know, uh, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, but try to figure out what our common values are and then apply them to very specific issues like getting Agent Orange out of Vietnam or even big issues like climate change, say, where can we find the common ground? And I feel that our society has become so poisoned in its discourse, so partisan in its politics, and so divisive that it's become dysfunctional, that a place like the Aspen Institute that tries to figure that everybody's got a little bit of something to give and that if we work on sharing our values, we'll be able to strengthen our values and be able to come to some common sense solutions. Having been in journalism, I felt journalism in some ways contributed to the problem of tearing our society apart. So after doing my 30-some-odd years in journalism, I wanted to come to the Aspen Institute. Thank well, you. thank you very much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. February is the month of love here in the nation's capital. You're going to love what we have lined up for you. And it's time now for your IEEE USA conference calendar update. Take a trip out west for the IEEE Green Technologies Conference, Green Tech, on the 30th through 31st of March in Denver, Colorado. The ninth annual Green Tech will address one of the most pressing challenges of our time, securing green and clean energy sources for the 21st century to protect the environment and to help build a more resilient power grid. The keynote speaker is Wanda Reeder, Chief Strategy Officer for SNC Electric Company and former VP of Power Systems Solutions. Panel discussions will include green technology today and the future of green technologies. Or travel south for IEEE Southeast Con 2017 in Charlotte, North Carolina, March 30th through April 2nd. Southeast Con is the annual IEEE Region 3 Technical, Professional, and Student Conference. It is the most influential conference in Region 3 for promoting awareness of the technical contributions made by our profession to the advancement of engineering science and to the community. Then head north to the IEEE Region 1 Student Conference, StuCon, on the 7th through 9th of April in Buffalo, New York. The IEEE Region 1 Student Conference is the premier annual event where all student branches from IEEE Region 1 in the northeastern United States meet to discuss mutual challenges and compete in regional competitions. Student competitors will share in $3,650 in prize money. The Region 1 Student Conference also provides a great opportunity for student members to network with industry professionals and IEEE volunteer leaders. Be sure to work these conferences into your schedule. For more information on upcoming conferences and to reg register, go to IEEEUSA.org conferences. I'm Georgia Stelluto for IEEE USA. Sharp knives can help you cut your steak. Sharp skills can help you keep your job. IEEE USA can assist you on the job front by offering the award-winning IEEE USA ebook, Staying Sharp, Volume 1, Tips for Staying Sharp Inside Your Company. 
This book from veteran engineering professional and educator Harry T. Roman is free to IEEE members. It features more than a dozen proven strategies you can put to work on the job. So don't let complacency and dull skills threaten your engineering career. Sharpening your tool set is key to thriving in the global marketplace. Through March 15th, IEEE members can download a free copy of this ebook by going to the IEEE USA shop site and using promo code FEBFREE17. A complimentary ebook download is one of the many benefits of IEEE membership. We have close to 200 ebook titles available on our shop site, shop.ieeeusa.org. That'll do it for today's podcast. I'm Chris McMains in Washington. Wherever you are, I wish you and your family a wonderful day. This has been the IEEE USA Insight Podcast. Join us again next month as we take a look at news, information, and updates from IEEE USA. If you have feedback you'd like to share, please connect with us by commenting on our IEEE USA Insight article. Send us email at insightpodcast at IEEEUSA.org. Visit Facebook at facebook.com slash IEEEUSA or Twitter at IEEEUSA. I'm John Yuglensky. Thanks for tuning in.